Okay, good evening, everybody. Special thank you to Isaac Romano, as always, for making everything happen. Very special thank you as well to Torah Anytime for sharing this class and many others with those who cannot be here in person wearing a mask. From the comfort of your own home without a mask on, you can also enjoy this year. The topic this evening is aging gracefully. I'd like to discuss the pros and cons of fiber, flaxseed, in contrast to chia seed, the uh, portions that you can mix together with yogurt to add some calcium and protein, uh, different types of exercises, and then with Hashem, we'll end off with doing some yoga together. That's the basic plan for this evening. It's interesting if you look at all of the famous people, people on television shows and movies, people who other people look up to, usually they're younger than they are older. Superstars we find in the field of athletics, entertainment, and these people are usually in their 20s and 30s. The billboards, the big signs, the, the jerseys, the posters that we have, we don't usually have a massive picture of somebody hanging in our living room, unless we happen to be a from Jew, who's uh, a picture of someone who's 78 with a long white beard. Zelo normal. This is not so common in the secular world. And once in a while, you'll have an older character in a book or a, or a movie or a television show. They're not the main character, and oftentimes the media portrays them in a negative association based on a cultural bias that old people are no longer as valuable. They're no longer as productive to society, and sometimes they just get in the way, or they drive too slow and it's frustrating, I have to go around them, or they keep their blinker on even though they've already made the left turn or I'm trying to get down the aisle at Publix and the person pushing the shopping cart in front of me is going slower than I would desire them to go. Therefore, anyone in the category of the elderly in a society where we cherish youth and beauty and strength, those people are oftentimes pushed aside. In our society as well, signs of natural aging, wrinkles, uh, skin freckles, anything else, losing hair, something that I cannot at all relate to, graying, right? these are things that they're not signs of achievement, they're not signs of accomplishment, if anything I have to buy more makeup or maybe I'll you know look around, some kind of uh, surgery could be helpful, get some of the flab underneath my chin off, Many seniors do report that in the golden years of their life, they feel the most satisfied and content, and their self-esteem is the highest it's ever been. And oftentimes, one's level of, of simcha sachayim in their 30s and 40s is lower than it is when they're in their 60s and 70s. Nonetheless, as a society, we tend to look down at old age and that's based on a value system where we prioritize basically the culture of Yavan. We take Greek society, and although Baruch Hashem, we're very far away from that in many areas, we no longer have gladiators, and instead we replace that with football, but the, the general theme of beauty, youth, strength, and athletic ability these are the things that were machshev, and therefore, if you're older than 40, and you can't do some of these things as well, you're no longer as needed. I'd like to briefly explore this evening the process of aging. We're only going to have like a 45-minute shear, don't worry. <laughs> as we sit here and age. And also our perception of the aged. We have Moshe Rabbeinu, who you could just picture and, and feel the emotions of the dialogue that he speaks to Kalal Yisrael in the beginning of Parshas Vayelech. 
and he says, Ben Mei of Esim Shana Nochi Hayom, I'm 120 years old today, Lauchal Od Lotzeis Velovo, I no longer have the ability to lead you like I did before. And many of the commentaries explain that Moshe was adding on, even if physically and, and, and mentally I have the capability to do so, but Kodesh Baruch Hu gave me the command that I'm not allowed to do so. But according to many, the main thrust of Moshe's message was, I'm getting older, and I can't be there for you as I was in the past. So the Malbim is bothered by an interesting question. You know, we think that it's only a, a modern-day thing that people don't like to share their age. The Malbim assumes this goes back thousands of years. He says, Usually people who are older don't just tell you how old they are. And if they have to answer the question, Yaktinu <laughs> hadavar. They'll minimize it. I'm going to round down a couple of decades, right? Uh, one of my great rebbeim, Mordechai Trapper, Zecher Tzadik Bracha, he used to say, I'm approaching middle age from the opposite direction. <laughs> so therefore the Mabim is bothered by why is Moshe Rabbeinu sharing his age with Klal Yisrael? What benefit was that? So he explains, He was telling Klal Yisrael, you should know, this is the last time I'll be going in and out, right? Leaving my area and, and, and greeting Klal Yisrael. The Kliyakr says that he would actually go, before he passed away, to every single mishpacha and give them words of chizik and encourage them and try to inspire them. But his message was, now I'm older, this is my last time. If I leave my place again, you should know, I'm not coming back home. But that's my call from a Kaddish Baruch Hu to, uh, to leave this world. The Ramban says, and this is what reminded me of the book, The Growing Tree. Is that what it's called? The Growing Tree? Does anybody else here know what I'm talking about? The Giving Tree. Thank you, Mrs. Matt. <laughs> we have someone who's cultured and educated in the room. The Giving Tree. The Ramban explains the, the intent of Moshe's message was <laughs> to give Klal Yisrael some level of comfort, as if to say, I'm old and you can no longer benefit from me, so don't feel so bad that I'm not going to be here together with you and cross into Eretz Yisrael and lead you because I really can't be helpful. Right? Trying to, uh, to cushion the blow of him leaving. The Svorno takes that theme though and he takes it one step further. He says, The Ainlis Yatsevamisasi, Moshe Rabbeinu wanted Kalal Yisrael not to be devastated over his demise. You should know he was trying to tell everybody, I'm old and therefore Alpi Derechateva naturally, it, it makes sense that it's time for me to go. So don't be overly sad because I'm leaving at the right time. Now, this message, this idea we find when David Melech was on his deathbed, sharing his last words with Shlomo. At the time, Shlomo HaMelech, anybody know how old he was when David passed away? He was 12 years old. So a little boy, his father is dying. And David turns to him and famously says, I am going the way of the world. You should be strong and you should be a man. What's the point of saying, I'm going the way of the world? Explains the Abarbanel, one of the classic commentators on Tanakh. The exact same idea we saw in the Sforno. That just like Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to comfort Klal Yisrael, David HaMelech was trying to bring Nachama to his son Shlomo. L'nachem es Shlomo b'no l'dabar alibo to speak to his heart, Shalo Yisabel Yoser Midai al Misoso. He was telling him, even though you're 12 years old, and I know you're going to miss me, and I'm going to miss you, but don't allow yourself to be destroyed by this. 
because this is the derech ha'olam. Everyone goes in this direction. I'm an old man already. David wanted Shlomo obviously to mourn his passing, but to also have the recognition, don't cry for me. It's not about me. Baruch Hashem, I lived a full life, and now I'm going to, to meet HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Your tsar, your anguish is for yourself, and that's normal, and that's natural, but you should have nechama, you should feel comfort in the fact that it's my time. Definitely clear from the Svorno and the Abarbanel that when Lo'aleinu, somebody passes away before their time, not only experientially we feel it as such a great tragedy, but we see even in Hashkafa, the, the human nature that, that's hardwired in the neshama of a human being is that when we lose somebody before what we refer to as their time, that's so much more devastating because we don't have the nechama of its derech kol That's how the Mephashim explain what Moshe Rabbeinu was trying to do. We as Klal Yisrael, we have reverence for struggle. We appreciate the Muhammad Hayetzer. We don't look down at someone when they're having a rough time, but to the contrary, as long as you're fighting, that is the greatest good. That means you're a warrior. So we have a reverence for struggle, and at the same time we have an obsession with wisdom. And that's why we're machshev, that's why we value the elderly. Because the assumption is that anyone who's lived for quite some time, they've been put through the ringer. No matter how smooth and glorious and comfortable their life may look from the outside, you've been around a while, you've had relationships, you've been through a lot, you've suffered, you've endured pain, and you've also gained wisdom. You've gained insight through your life experience, and that's why when you come into the room, I stand up for you. There's a mitzvah, the Arisa, one of the 613 mitzvahs, that when an older person comes into the room, you stand up for them. Even if they're not a Talmud Chacham, they didn't learn anything. You know much more than they do. But they've acquired wisdom. Like Amar and Kedushin tells us that Isi ben Yehuda used to tell his Talmudim that when the Torah explains, Mipnei Seva Tokum, that you have to stand up for an older person, Afilu Kol Seva Vemashma, the connotation is it doesn't matter who he is or who she is. Anyone who's in the category of seva, you have to give them the honor that they deserve. Rabbi Yochanan Havikoi Mikmei Sava Darmoi, that Rabbi Yochanan followed the ruling of Isi ben Yehuda, and he would stand up for non-Jewish older people that would walk past them. Why would he give them that level of respect? Amar, Kamer Avtiki Odu Aleyu Dohani. They had so much Raftiki. What's the translation for that? So Rashi helps us out. Mikros v'tsoros. They had pain. They have suffered. nisim harbe umopsim. And they've clearly experienced miracles. It's kind of a strange thing to say. How, how do you know that this particular old person experienced miracles? But it sounds like from the Gemara, if you've been here for 70, 80 years, then by definition you have suffered, but also by definition if you're opening your eyes, if you're living, living objectively, then you've seen Nisim, you've seen Mofsim. And therefore his psak was, I will stand up for you regardless of how much you know or don't know. <laughs> because we cherish wisdom and we feel that older people have so much more to offer and so much more insight than we may have. The Gemara and Megillah tells us that Rabbi Shimon ben Elazar Omer, Im yomru leich zekeinim, im yomru lecha zekeinim sasor. If the older people give you counsel and they say, demolish, which means they're giving you advice that in your perception sounds like they're telling you to destroy something. But you go to the younger people, right, who they're working their way up the corporate ladder, 
and their future is bright, and they tell you, Bill, they give you advice that sounds more reasonable, says the Gemara, Sasor v'altivna, make sure to demolish and do not build. Because the demolishing of the elderly is really building. That's construction, although we may not appreciate it. And the building of the na'arim, of the youth, is oftentimes demolishing. But yet we're enamored by youth. I was speaking to somebody recently who tragically lost his job. He was working in the same company for over 25 years. And he's not an old man. He's in his early 60s. I guess some of you younger ones in the room are thinking to yourself, that's kind of old. Right? But as you get older, you realize old's not like 20 or 30 years above where you are, that's old. But he told me that he got laid off and he already sent his resume to a few different places. And although he's heard about this problem in the past, Baruch Hashem, until now, he never had to deal with it personally, but he sees b'chush, he sees with his own experience that nobody wants you anymore. You could have so much more experience. You're at the prime of your career. Now maybe one of the reasons they might not want you is you're asking for more of a salary. That could be part of it. But there's this feeling of, if, if I get a guy or a girl who's 25, or, you know, approaching 30, but they have so much more koach, so much more energy, they get it more than, than he does. This error we saw was made by Rechavim. Rechavim was the son of Shlomo HaMelech, who was really taking over the kingdom at a time where things were very turbulent. Shlomo HaMelech passes away, we spoke about the death of David Melech and giving his last instructions to his son Shlomo. And then Shlomo passes away, leaving Rechavim behind. Rechavim, not knowing exactly how to proceed, there was somewhat of an economic crisis. So it says, He first goes to the elders, and he tries to get their counsel. What should I do? How should I react to the people? Everyone's complaining about something else. Do I play hardball? And they show them that although I'm young and wet behind the ears, I could really take over and, and, and let them see my strength? Or do I try to cater to them? So the Zakedim answered, Im hayom la'am hazeh. If you, Rechavim, become a servant to the people now, and you serve them, and you make it clear that your sole desire has nothing to do with you or your leadership, but you want the best for your country and for your citizens. And you speak to them with kind, compassionate words. Then they will be your avadim for the rest of your life. Start off with patience, start off with compassion. However, Rechavim didn't feel comfortable with that Eitzah from the elders. And therefore, he went to the younger people that he grew up with, his friends, his peers. And he asked them the same question. What do you recommend I do now that I'm taking over the kingdom in a very, very complicated time? And they told him the exact opposite. You have to be strong with them. You have to be harsh. Show them no mercy. Otherwise, they're going to trample all over you. You've got to prove yourself walking into the position. And that's the Eitzah that he followed. That's the suggestion that he went with. And that was the beginning of the end for him personally and for the entire kingdom. That was the beginning of the, of the division between the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. So although sometimes what someone says may not resonate, may not sound like it's binyan, like it's constructive, but there has to be a level of hachna, there has to be some level of humility that I know it's coming from somebody who has so much more experience than, and wisdom than I do. It doesn't mean you're for sure right and I'm for sure wrong, but it means I need to consider your position carefully. Now it's interesting that Shlomo HaMelech himself, even though his son made this mistake, 
But Shlomo HaMelech himself said that if you want a ticket to the world to come, you want a direct access to the, uh, the first class lounge in the next world, there's one thing you have to do. Be machabed, give honor and respect to older people. If you do that, then you have everything. All the doors are open. V'afilu now explains the Peleyoites the advice of Shlomo HaMelech. V'afilu im lo yosher Let's say I really disagree. I really do not hear what you're advising me to do. It doesn't feel right for me. Lo yelbinu norim zakenim. How do we respond? How do we react? Don't be chutzpadek. Don't embarrass them. Eli yeshuvim benoam siach. Respond to them in a pleasant way. V'derech kavod karoi. And respectfully. This is something that if you're ever having a conversation with anybody significantly older than you, you could be 17, you could be 65. If I disagree with you vehemently, so I still have to respond with kavod. That's true for any human being, but it's especially true for someone who's older than me and kol shikain, if it's my parent. How often does it happen where you have children and parents who have different views when it comes to politics? And we think that each other, I think you're crazy, you think I'm crazy, Parent says something about how much she can't stand Donald Trump. And you love the man to pieces. You have the special vote for Trump mask and you have pictures of him and his hairdo in your room, right? Your mamish loved the man. So you're so tempted to, to answer back with a, with a fire. And the argument that she just said, you listening to Rush Limbaugh and others, you have four different ways to react immediately. To have the level of respect and patience, I don't speak like that, even though I might disagree vehemently, because there's something called reverence. Reverence is almost absolute, but it's something we believe in, and it's something we believe in to the extent where Shlomo HaMelech says, if you have this, this is your ticket. Now the truth is, when you flip the coin around, if you're the older person having the conversation, with somebody younger, Peleoetz goes on to say that you have to maintain your dignity as well. We as older people have to live up to the, the, the call of the hour. If you're mechuyim to respect me, then I have to be someone worthy of respect. And that's true for parents and educators. You can never demand respect. And as soon as you try to do that, you will fail miserably. The only way to potentially create some level of kavod in the classroom or kavod in a mishpacha is if you act in a way where it comes naturally. That's the advice of the Peleoites. The truth is we know there's a special segula. The Pasuk in Eser Sedibros, the fifth of the Ten Commandments, tells us, you honor your father and mother, then you will live a long life. One of the few mitzvahs in the Torah where we have a clear result of fulfilling this particular commandment. If you mechabed your father and mother, you will live a long life. How does that work? What exactly is that, is that hashkafu? So the Rebbeinu Bechaya says it's very simple. He quotes this idea from Rabsadia Gon. He says, sometimes... As parents age, and now the, the burden of their care is really upon you, the child, it's something that's, on one hand, an uh, opportunity. On the other hand, it's a tremendous effort, and it could be burdensome. It could be taxing on the family, theoretically, for years. But explains Reb Sadia Gaon, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is telling us, don't give up. This might be the hardest part of your relationship. And whether or not things were great before now when your parent needs you, doesn't make a difference. If you could stand up to the call of the hour and be there for them, to support them in any way possible, if it's emotionally, if it's financially, if it's physically, 
then that is your chiyuv kaveir esavicha vesimecha, and leman yerichu yamecha, because that's midah keneged midah. If you watch out for the people that you're responsible for, as they get older, and as in the society in which we live, they no longer have that same respect, and they're pushed to the side, but you make it your business, I'm not going to allow you to stand on the sidelines because I machshev you, I care for you, and it's not a pity, but it's a respect. It's such a crucial distinction. It's not a pity. It's not a, I feel bad for you, so I want to include you. I'm gaining more from you than you'll gain from me. Then the Rabbeinu Bachai explains, you'll be zocha to Arichas Yamim as well. That's Mida Kenegad Mida. I might have shared this story before, but to me it was, it was really a paradigm shift. A person I'm very close with now for many years, he told me that when he was growing up, his house was, it was a disaster. His mother and father were fighting all of the time, and it wasn't, you know, bickering. It was really intense, sometimes physical fighting. And it seems like in his particular scenario, his mother was actually more aggressive than his father. And now and again, it would get pretty nasty. He said, I remember vividly walking downstairs early in the morning when I was waking up for school in the third grade. And I was, I was woken up by the, the yelling back and forth. And I walk into the kitchen, and my parents don't see that I'm standing there looking. And my mother takes a knife out of the drawer, and she begins to stab my father in front of my eyes. And I saw my father yelling in pain and agony, and I saw the blood on the floor, and I saw him fall. They called the ambulance, and thank God he was okay. But after that, my sister and I both made up our minds, as soon as we're able to leave this place, we are going to do so. It's been a pleasure, Mom and Dad, thank you for bringing us into this world, but as soon as we can, we're leaving this particular poisonous environment. And they did. He said his sister left, she went to a different state, he didn't go that far away, but his sister never spoke to, to her parents again. 20, 30 years, they never spoke. He once in a while would respond to a call or the card for a birthday, but they really had no relationship. He said later on in life, this is where he didn't see his parents face to face for decades, his mother calls him and says that she's very sick. And she tried reaching out to his sister, she would not respond to any of the phone calls, and basically she was pleading with him, can you come back home his dad was long out of the picture, but can you come back home and, and help me? Take me to the doctor appointments, try to keep track of what they're telling me in medication and treatments and this, I'm just so not in that, in that frame of mind. And he said, I have to think about it because he was really feeling a sense of, of relief all these years not having to be in that, in that battlefield. But he said that I paced back and forth and I literally thought about this for hours. I spoke it over with a couple of good friends, but ultimately it was my decision. And after hours of, of real intense deliberation, I came to the conclusion that it's my obligation. There's no one else in the world to do it, and therefore I'm gonna do it. And as he started taking care of his, his mother, he began to feel resentment, naturally, he felt that he was so traumatized by her and what took place in the family when he was a child, it was very difficult for him now to be the caretaker. He said, again though I paced, and hearing it from somebody who's not viewed as one of the, the massive Torah giants of our generation, and he's a posture guy, a very simple person, but he said, I paced on it again with deep deliberation and thought, and I came up with a conclusion that if I'm doing this, I'm doing it all in. There's no such thing as half-baked. I'm not gonna be driving my mother to her appointments while having feelings of negativity towards her in the car. That's not okay. If I'm doing it, I'm doing it right. And he said from that point on, for the next two and a half years, he did it right, until eventually she was Niftera, she passed away. He said, I attended the funeral, my sister did not. 
but that experience changed my life forever. Being able to follow through with that sense of responsibility, she's my mother, and no matter what, I want to take care of her. That changed his life. So it's true psychologically, and explains the Rebbe Bahaya, quoting from Ibsad Yagon, it's true mystically as well. Probably one of the hardest challenges we have, if it's we ourselves aging or dealing with people who are aging, is when we feel they're not really the same person they were before. And if it's a grandparent, it could be difficult to deal with, but it's not devastating. If it's a spouse, it's a whole different story. You're dealing with a spouse, you've been married for 50 years, and, and she doesn't really recognize you. You have to remind her who you are. And you can imagine that's torturous. Says the Gemara in Menachos and Davtsadi Tess that we know from the Brayser of Yosef quotes Malamed Shaluchos Vishivre Luchos Munachin Ba'aron that the first set of tablets that were broken by Moshe Rabbeinu and the second set of tablets that were never broken, they were both placed into the Aron. So why were the Shivre Luchos, why were the, the broken fragments of the Luchos placed inside of the Aron? Explains the Gemara, Mikan onso. From here we derive the idea that if you have a Talmud Chacham who forgets his learning, it's not his fault, it's not based on his negligence, but he's getting older. We do not treat him with any level of disrespect. And the commentators explain, because the reason why I machshiv you, the reason why I respect you as a Talmud Chacham, is the kedusha, it's the sanctity that you've infused into your being through the Torah that you've learned. So it could be at this point in life, if I were to ask you a question, that 10 years ago you could have rattled off the answer in a second as a kiyum of the, as a fulfillment of the idea, you could ask the person anything and they're, they're holding in so many areas of Torah and now you can ask them the most basic thing and they're confused. I still cherish you the same way because the Kedusha is still present. You've transformed yourself. You've allowed that neshama to, to break through the gashmi, the physicality, and shine in such a way that I still have the same reverence for you as I, do, as I did before. And this idea is not limited to a Talmud Chacham Sheshachach Talmudo, but it's any human being. The fact that he's not thinking the same way he did before is not an intrinsic pagam. It's not something that disqualifies that person from who he was. Ultimately, the definition, the essence of every human being is not the way I think, it's not my IQ, it's not even my memory. It's the neshama tahora, it's the purity of the soul that I have. That you can never take away from me. Even with all of the klola, all of the difficulty that aging might have in a person, the neshama, if anything, is only now radiating now more than ever. Chazal tells us that Talmidei Chachamim, Beziknusam, as they get older, it's like a fine wine. It only gets better. Even if you're not as sharp, you're not as quick as you were before, but the Kedusha constantly grows. There's a story told, I saw this in the biography of Rebelski, Zechat Tzadik Levracha, that he was married to his Rebetzin for 50 years, and tragically, she had dementia, and she was getting older, and it was very difficult for the entire family. One of his Talmidim, a fellow of Yaakov Melon, who was a Talmud of Rebelski for many years, he noticed the interactions between the rabbi and the Rebetzin, and how incredibly patient Rabbi Belsky was. And in contrast to past conversations, that they would speak about the most in-depth issues with the family and, and Eitsa. Now, Rebelski would really spend time just schmoozing about very superficial things, just trying to, to make conversation. So Yaakov asked Rebelski, how are you coping with this? How are you dealing with this? It must be, it must be so torturous. Rebelski answered back, he said, Baruch Hashem, my wife took care of me for 50 years. So what if now I have to take care of her? It's the least I can do. 
I can never repay her for all the kindness that she did for me. And it's not just Rebelsky. I had a conversation with someone who's not on the caliber of Rebelsky. And tragically, his wife, they're both in their later 80s, um, she's also not doing well. And she'll ask the same question, you know, he shared with me, she'll ask the same question over and over and over again. And at first he tried telling her, you asked me when dinner was before. I said 5.30, which is something that parenthetically is interesting. As we get older, dinner has to get earlier, right? You have to get to the airport earlier and you have to eat dinner earlier. Those are the two things that come with aging. But he said, as he realized that it's not her fault, she has no control over this. This is, this is a, a physical element, a mental condition that she's going through and, and she's suffering greatly so for me to tell her, you already asked me that question, is that going to hurt things or help things? So he had the Pashat Cheshbon. He realized it's not going to help anybody. And he told me, he said, now whenever she asks a question, right, what time is dinner? I say, 5.30, sweetie. 30 seconds later, what time is dinner? 5.30, I'm looking forward. What time is dinner? We have plans for 5.30. That is godless. That's righteousness in its purest form. So even Shivrei Luchos, we don't view the human being as any less than they were before. Now, the time is getting late, but I do want to focus on somewhat of a different angle of the aging discussion before we conclude. Until now, we've spoken about the Torah Hashkafa on how we view older people, how we view ourselves as we age. It's not at all a Gnai just because I can't run as fast or jump as high although I can never run fast and never jump high, but at least now I have an excuse, right? Doesn't make me any less of a human being. What does have an impact on the way we age? So obviously there are certain things that are out of our control, and we can't focus on those areas that are outside of our sphere of influence. But we do have some amazing insights both from research and even more importantly from Chazal, that show us a lot of how we age is based on how we think. Obviously all the other things are important. Exercise, fiber, vitamin D, protein, yoga, that's all good as well. But the machshava, the way we think about ourselves and the world around us, has a massive impact on how we age. There was a study done in 1979 by a professor of psychology from Harvard, which is now somewhat famous. She took a group, two groups of elderly men, and she invited them to a week away at a monastery in New Hampshire. And she divided the two groups. One group, they were placed in regular, nice surroundings, and their instructions were, just enjoy your time together, schmooze, hang out, have a good time. The other group, they were placed into a capsule, a time capsule of sorts, where everything in this area that they were hanging out for a week dialed back to reflect 1959. And that group was given the following instructions, to reminisce about what life was like and to act as if you were living in 1959. And now it's already 1979, but picture what life was 20 years prior. Everything around you will be helpful in creating that illusion. And for this week, try to live as if you were 20 years younger. And they did. The results were astonishing. Not only the pictures that they took before and after, the group living in 1959 actually looked younger, but in all of the physical tests that they recorded as well, being mindfully immersed in that back to the future or back to the past, their memory, vision, hearing, physical strength, it all improved. This was the first of this kind of study after there were many more that all brought home the same basic message. The way we think about ourselves and our aging or our youthfulness does have an impact on how healthy we are emotionally and physically. When Yosef was introducing his father Yaakov to Paro, right, this is the introduction of a lifetime, two leaders of different places of the, the known world, 
And we know the first question that Taro asks Yaakov was, How old are you? Which is a strange question to ask. We saw from the Malbim, people don't like telling us their age. So why was Paro asking that question? And then Yaakov's response is even more strange. My years were 130. They were short and evil. My life has been very, very bitter and rough. That was the response of Yaakov to Paro. So why did Paro ask this strange question in the first place? And why did Yaakov respond with, with it seems like a lack of total bitachon and hakar satov? Where was his faith? Where was his, his, his optimism? So the Dasakenim and others explain that the reason why that was the first question to cross Paro's mind is because Yaakov looked aged. His appearance was that he was worn out. He went through so many difficulties in life, and Paro picked up on that right away. And therefore, his first question was, wow, what happened to you? To that, Yaakov responds, I'll explain. You know, I'm, I'm 130, I'm not 170 yet, like my, my forefathers. But the reason I look this way is because I've been through so much pain and agony. Then the Das Zekenim quotes the Chazal that says, When Yaakov said that his life was short and bitter, at that moment, HaKadosh Baruch Hu said, One second, Yaakov, you're complaining? I saved you from Esau. I saved you from Lovon. I got Dina back from you when she was taken. I, I re reunited you with Yosef. And you're complaining that your life has been short and evil? What kind of kafuli tov is that? You're denying the good that I've done for you. Why would Yaakov deny the good that HaKadosh Baruch Hu did for him? Clearly what's happening here is something very subtle. Paro picks up on the fact that Yaakov has been through a lot. And Yaakov's answer was not a total disregard for everything Hashem did. But the bottom line is, Yaakov did have to fight Esau, and he did have to deal with Lavan, and he did have the fear and the pachat of his daughter being taken away from him, and losing, and lo losing Yosef. He went through a lot. He was trying to explain, this is why it looks so aged. But what a Kaddish Baruch Hu was saying, listen, you've been through a lot, but you could have, with your mastery of bitachon, with your clarity of vision, you could have dealt with this in a different way so you wouldn't be as worn out, so you wouldn't be as burnt out after all of these struggles. That was the complaint that Hashem had against the Yaakov, but it's clear, it's clear from HaKadosh Baruch Hu's taina, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's complaint, that based on one's mindset, that can have a direct impact on how we age. Now, people always say stress is a terrible thing. And stress kills, and stress makes you older. And you look at pictures of presidents, right? Obama before he took office, Obama after he looked off, took office. There's definitely a massive aging process that happens when a person is in a very stressful position. But is stress a bad thing objectively? The answer is no, not at all. We need stress in order to live. I'll give you an example. Right? The person says, I don't want any conflict, I don't want any pressure, I don't want any deadlines, I don't want to be at any place at any particular time. And theoretically, they can live their life with having no expectations, with having no stress. For the first week and a half, gone ate it. I've never imagined anything more blissful than this. I can wake up whenever I want to. I can go to sleep whenever I want to. I can eat whatever I want to. It's all good. But then after some time, you realize, if there's nobody that needs me, and there's nothing I have to be doing, and there's no place I have to be, and there's no one relying on me to come through with this particular report, and no one's asking me any questions, that basically means my life is meaningless. 
And eventually, without purpose, without responsibility, without some level of pressure, I will atrophy physically, mentally, and spiritually. Stress is essential for living, for purpose, for happiness. Rebbeinu Yonah says, explaining the Mishnah, Ahovesa Melacha. The Mishnah tells us we have to love Melacha, we have to love doing work. So the Rebbeinu Yonah explains that doesn't mean that we have to love our occupation. If we do, that's a tremendous bracha. But it's something more pervasive than what we do for a living. He explains we should love being energized. We should love doing anything. Not to withhold oneself, not to, to hold myself back from doing something. Because that brings me to boredom. That brings me to stagnation and complacency. And the Kashehu Margalevarabliasbatalmalacha, when I become accustomed to not really moving, so then even when I want to, even when now, you know what, I haven't played a game of softball with the boys in a long time, let me get back out there and have a good time. If I haven't stretched in the last 15 years, and I haven't walked from anywhere more than the car to the office, likely when you get on the softball field, you're not going to be okay. You should say many capital of Tehillim beforehand. You're going to hurt yourself. Rebbeinu Yoda concludes by saying, We think that we would relax and we just chill out. We think that will bring us manucha, that will bring us a sense of tranquility and serenity. But the truth is the exact opposite. If you want manucha, you want real satisfaction and fulfillment in life, you want a sense of inner peace, that only comes through yagiya, that comes through working, through feeling that people need me and I have to come through, through having stress. So stress doesn't kill, stress doesn't age by itself, but it's our association, it's our relationship with stress that makes all the difference in the world. Hashem was telling Yaakov, you had the wrong association with the stress that I was putting you through. <clears throat> Most people, when they're younger, they never think of their mortality. And that's something that, you know, kids recognize around five or six, and it just... It, it dawns on them, and they ask questions like, when is mommy going to die? Are you going to die before I do? These are conversations that are part of a child's development. But somehow, once a kid gets past those few years, they, they get in this zone, following the lead of their parents and everyone else in society, that we just don't talk about it, and it won't happen until it does. But until it does, it doesn't really happen. We live in a make-believe world that mortality is not something that has any direct consequence on me and my life. Says the Rabbi Yonah, to continue living like that as we get older and as we begin to sense the harisus habinyan, which means I don't have the same strength I used to. I don't have the same energy that I used to. Or even if I'm not quite there yet, but I know I'm not far removed from it. Not far removed from that stage in life where the Shulchan Aruch actually says that when you're appointing someone to Davin to lead the services for Rosh Hashanah, they should be 30 years old. Ideally, why 30? Because at that point in life, they're already getting closer to real middle age. And that's when they have a lev nishbar. That's when, if a person is not totally intoxicated by this world, and he's thinking about the fact that there is an end to his existence here, they have a broken heart, right? They're, they're, seeing, they're seeing reality in a more profound way. I want that person to be the shliach tzibur, not the kid who's 21, who doesn't really know he's going to die. But 30 is not old. Yet the post can tell us, at 30 already we have the capacity to really start delving in deep with this realization that we're not here forever, and therefore, 
So it's this healthy balance that on one hand we see from Yaakov Avinu, we see from the Rebbe Yod and Pergiovos, that my mindset can have a direct impact on how I age. I have to be positive. We have to be youthful. We have to have energy. We want to have humor. These are all things that are so essential for healthy, healthy aging. But at the same time, we can't live with an ignorance Well, we totally blissfully ignore our mortality because then we don't maximize the life that we have. I want to end with one idea here from the Sif Seichayim. Right, so in summation, we discussed the Torah Hashkafa. How do we deal with ourselves as we get older and how do we view others as they age? A sense of reverence. Because we have a reverence for struggle and an obsession with wisdom, that's why I stand up for you when you walk in the room. And when you're 20 and you're stronger and you're faster, I don't stand up for you. You're not worth my time for standing up. And we also spoke about how we think and how we live does have a massive influence on how we age. In conclusion, the Sif Chaim writes, and this is something that we have to think about deeply. When we get older, most of what we ponder, most of what we discuss is from the past. And the reason for that is there's not much going on now in the present. In the past, 30, 40 years ago, I was, I was busy and moving and, and shaking and baking and everyone needed me and I was so... And now I'm just sitting here. Sitting here enjoying the sun in sunny Florida. So of course I have to speak about the past. That was my, that was my prime. Says the Sif Sechayim, oftentimes as we get older, our Iker Sipuk, our main satisfaction in life, will be thinking about years gone by. And therefore we keep on talking about what we did in the past. Until the person listening is to the point where he would like to say, okay, heard that story before, thank you. Amnam, he explains, it's a great mistake that we're making. Just because we were more active 30, 40 years ago, just because one's grandfather or father or mother, they were more needed 30 years ago, it doesn't mean that their milchemes achayim, that their battle and struggle for every day of life and their bechira and their ability to choose is any less significant. You might not have as many people who call you on the phone or who need to discuss something with you. They're not waiting on your email, but you're just as chashev as you were before. Says the Sif Sechayim, never make that mistake about ourselves, and we, dealing with others who are older than we are, always have to remind ourselves, I'm not more important than you are. Just because you're sitting here with not much going on, Every second of your life is just as precious as every second of my life. We should be Zoha, not to be influenced by the secular view of aging. We should be inspired by those who are older and who are more wise than we are. And Ritz Hashem, as we get closer to Rosh Hashanah, we should take some of these concepts home with us and think about them deeply. We're not here forever. Let's make the most of the time that we have. Shkoyach.